Psalm 119 this morning. Psalms is, a, is an incredible book of the Bible. And uh, that song, uh, I believe it's in Psalm chapter 40, might be Psalm 42, with one of the two, uh, that God hath brought us up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and hath set our feet upon a rock, and established our going, and hath put a new song in our heart, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. And uh, I hope that is true of you this morning. Uh, Psalms, in, in general, is a tremendous book, but Psalm 119, out of all of the Psalms, I think is, is probably uh, one of my favorites. It, it's definitely up there in the top for me. Um, I had to do a, a, an extensive uh, project when I was in Bible college on Psalm 119, and uh, I, I've never forgotten it since. And uh, as you look at Psalm 119, just a little bit of background, this is a, a um, uh, psalm that goes through each one of the little sections here is a different letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and so it goes through, and there are, there are many sections of this. There's, I believe, 150 verses in Psalm 119. Out of those 150 verses, only three, only three do not have some form or some synonym for God's Word in it. Every, the whole chapter is all about God's Word and, and, the, and the, the, the power that it has, the, the reason that we have it this morning. And uh, so I want to talk to you this morning about this subject, just the wonderful Word of God. And, uh, you know, again, Psalm 119 is just a, a phenomenal chapter in a phenomenal book uh, of the Bible, in a phenomenal book as a whole, the Word of God. And uh, it is just a tremendous opportunity and a, and a privilege for me to preach this morning, and I thank the, thank the Lord for the opportunity. So let's do this. Let's read. We're going to read Psalm 119. We're not going to read the whole chapter, I promise. Um, but we're going to start in verse number 9, and we're going to read down through verse number 16, and then uh, we'll back up. We're going to cover just the first three verses of this section. Um, but starting in verse number 9, the Bible says this, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have uh, respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. And a uh, tremendous little passage of scripture here, and uh, we're just going to discuss the wonderful word of God this morning. And uh, before we get started, though, let's have a word of prayer. Ask the Lord to bless this time. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be in your house this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege you've given me to proclaim your truth this morning. Lord, I want to thank you ahead of time just for the word of God. Lord, I thank you for the truth that it has. Thank you for the power that it has in our lives. Lord, I thank you for using it, uh, Lord, in our hearts and in our lives, not only to uh, bring us to the knowledge of Christ and the, and the knowledge of salvation, uh, but Lord, also to, to keep us on the right path and direct our steps each and every day. Thank you for the promises that the Word of God holds. Uh, Lord, thank you that its truth is just as applicable and just as relevant for us today as it was when it was written. And Lord, I thank you for, for the God of the Bible. Thank you for Jesus Christ, who was the Word incarnate, the Word in flesh, and Lord, I thank you for all that you do and all that you will do in this time. And Lord, I pray that you just remove me out of the way. Lord, use the Holy Spirit of God this morning to encourage, to convict. And Lord, may we leave this place different this morning, trusting in, uh, Lord, just the absolute 
and, uh, and amazing word of God that we have and we hold this morning. And Lord, we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. How many of you have something that is very, very dear to you this morning? All right. How many of you, that, that item that you are just thinking of, how many of you keep that in a very open place? Okay, much, much fewer than, than what uh, raised their hand the first time. Uh, a lot of times what we do is when we have something that is precious to us, what do we do? We put it in some place where we know there's nothing is going to happen to this. We know it's not going to get broken. We, you know, it might be out in the open, but we put it behind glass. We put it in a case. We put it somewhere where we know it's, it's not going to get bro- broken by the average day. It might be something that we don't want to, uh, that we don't want to be destroyed in some type of a, a, a catastrophe or some type of an event uh, like a hurricane that we have down here in Florida. Uh, you know, we don't want those things to disappear from our life. Why? Because it is precious to us. It is something that we hold very dear in our lives. We put it in a special place, and, and that's for a specific reason. Uh, how, many, how many of us this morning would say the Word of God is, is precious to me? Okay, I hope that is the reason you're here this morning, is to hear God's Word, to hear God's truth, and to apply it to your heart. Okay, but for us as Christians, a lot of times, I think we're guilty of the fact that although we say the word of God is precious to us, when it comes to listening to it, when it comes to reading it, when it comes to uh, taking it in, a lot of times we listen to it, we see it, we hear it, and that's all we do with it. We don't take the next step, we don't apply the truth of God's word to our lives. We don't, a lot of times we're guilty, I'm very guilty a lot of times of not hiding God's word in my heart. How many of you have memorized a verse of scripture this week? Ooh. And, and, and a, a lot of us, you know, that, that's, that's hard to ask. That's hard to answer. But the fact of the matter is a lot of times we fall short in this area of keeping God's word precious to us. If God's word is precious to you, why not put it somewhere where it's going to be safe? Why not put it somewhere where nothing's going to happen to it? There are people all over this world today that that struggle with and that deal with the threat of not being able to have God's word. Underground churches in in China, uh, Nazarel's fathers in in, in prison in, in Nicaragua. You know, all of those people, you know, they they struggle with just to even get a small portion of God's Word. If we were ever faced with that situation, I wonder how many of us would remember enough of God's Word to be able to have it on a daily basis if it was ever removed from us. The Word of God is so very precious, it is so wonderful to us, and yet so often we fail to do anything with it beyond just hearing it, beyond just saying that it's precious. Some of our possessions that are precious to us, what do they do? They sit behind glass. We look at them, but that's all we do. It really doesn't do much more than that. What are we doing with God's Word this morning? How important is God's Word to us? Why is it important to us? What should we be doing with God as a result of the importance that it has for us? That's what we're going to look at, what we're going to talk about this morning in Psalm 119. Look at verse number 11. It's going to be our our main text verse this morning. 
The Bible says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in my heart. I want to I give you the outline this morning. Uh, we're going to start off with number one. The word of God is wonderful because it is our best possession. It is our best possession. Thy word. The word of God itself. The word of God that we have. There are people in this world today that still do not or have not ever seen a verse of the word of God in their language. And yet, I wonder how many of us have maybe more than five or six Bibles sitting on our shelves at home. The Word of God is easily accessed for us. I I mean, you know, you can pull it up on the internet, you can pull it up in in multiple languages. Uh, You know, it's easy access for us. It's not so for everyone. And thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The Bible, God's word, is our absolute best possession that we can have in our lives. And it's our best possession for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's our best possession because of its power. Because of the power of the word of God. Uh, Genesis chapter number one, verse number three says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. If you go through that whole first chapter of Genesis over and over and over again, the Bible says, and God said, and he gave the command of creation, and then it says, and it was so, and it happened. He separated the light from the darkness. He created the firmament. He put uh, the the animals and the, the trees and the plants in all of their places. He did all of those things by what? By speaking the word of God. God's word is powerful. It is a powerful thing. It's it's more powerful than anything that we know of in our universe. And yet so often, we don't do anything with it. We don't allow God's word to be the power that it should be in our lives. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek to everyone that believeth it's the power of God unto salvation and yet how often do we use the word of God and its power to give that to somebody else how often do we share the love of Christ with somebody that needs it How often do we invite somebody to come to church where they will hear the word of God preached and the power of God's word proclaimed? How often do we rely upon God's word as the powerful thing that it is? I think if we're honest with ourselves this morning, far less than we probably should. It is powerful. It is our best possession because it is a powerful thing. What are some other things in our world that we find ha- has, has great power? Money? Okay. What? Media? Large corporations. What else? I mean, you know, where do we live in, in South Florida? We're getting ready to go into 
hurricane season. Where I, where I grew up in Colorado, we dealt with tornadoes. There's great power in that. There's great power in, in some of those disasters, some of those things that we see in our world today. There's great power in, in the spoken word. There's great power in the written word. There's great power in media. There's great power given to people. All throughout history, we've seen people use words to, to facilitate their own agendas, to, to, to put people in a position where they cower below them. We see, we see words used in wrong ways. We see words used in right ways. Words have power, but God's word has ultimate power. We find, you know, the tornadoes, hurricanes, politicians twist words. Hitler controlled Germany with his words. My parents controlled me with words. There's a, there's a difference even, even in, in the words that are used. You know, my, my mom would say, Kenny, I need you to take out the trash. Okay, mom. Just a second. Kenny. A little more forceful, you know. Take out the trash. Don't stop what you're doing and go do it. Okay, mom. Just a minute. Kenneth Michael Godby. Okay, now, now the spoken word has real power, right? Yes, ma'am, I know what's next. If I don't do it right now, I'm, I'm going to get the discipline, okay? God's word is something that has great power. Have you ever thought of just the raw power of God's word? I mean, you think about the fact that God spoke and the world we live in came into existence. You think about the fact that its very existence today in perfect harmony in all of the orbits and all of the things in, in, in all of the galaxies and all of the universe. And he spoke all of that into existence, not just spoke it all into existence, but the Bible says that it all fits in the palm of his hand. That's the God that we serve. That's the power that the God that we serve has. The Bible says, God's word says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces? The heart of stone that we often have, and yet God's word will penetrate that. In Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's word is powerful. It's alive. It can do things that nothing else and no one else and no one else's words can do. You ever I mean, have you ever thought and, and you, you've tried explaining things spiritually to somebody and, and you speak to them and you argue with them and you say the same thing like 20 different ways trying to get them to understand, but you fail to use God's word? We're trying, we're trying to, to find a way to reason with them when what they need is they need the truth of God's word. They need the power of God's word to work in their hearts to break that rock in pieces, to melt the heart of stone. That's what God's word is able to do. It is our best possession because of its power 
but also because of its process. Its process in our lives. Let me ask parents in here. Parents, did you teach your children to do right? Did you have to teach them to do that? Yes, okay. Did you teach your children to do wrong? Why? (laughs) They didn't need to learn that. They were born with that in their nature. But you know what? God's word is the same way it teaches us what is right. It teaches us what we already know is wrong, and it teaches us how to keep those things right. And it does that through the process of the word of God. God's word has stood the test of time and has never been able to be destroyed. We can trust in the promises of God in our lives. We can base our lives upon what God's word says because it has never failed. Because it has tried and tested every program that is out there. It goes far beyond those. You know, we have, we have children's programs, we have teen programs, we have, this pro- we have all kinds of different things that we do in the church. But none of those programs are worth anything if we're not also giving the word of God. Because it has the ultimate process in our lives. 2 Timothy 3.14 says, But continue thou, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Right? Continue thou. Continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. What are the things that we have learned? Doctrine. The Word of God is profitable. Right? It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's its process. It's doctrine. It is the teaching of what it has. That's the teaching of it. The reproof is the discipline. That's when my mom said, take out the trash. And I said, just a minute. And she had to use those, my full name to get my attention. Many times I did what I was supposed to do, but because I had to be asked three times, I also got the discipline. I got the reproof. And I learned that I needed to get up right away and do what she told me to do the first time. God's word teaches us, but it disciplines us. It reproves us, but then it corrects us. It corrects us. It teaches us what is right, why the wrong was wrong, and what is right, what we should do. And then instruction in righteousness is just how to keep ourselves right, how to stay right. The Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, he may be complete, that he may have everything that he needs in his life. The Word of God is our best possession because of its power, because of its process, but also because of its person. Because of its person. The Bible says in John chapter number 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The capital W, speaking of Jesus Christ, the Word in flesh. The Word was God. Or the Word was with God, excuse me, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and All things were made by him, 
And without him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning was the Word. The Word of God is our best possession because of the person behind that Word. Because Jesus Christ is the Word. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jeremiah 15, 16 said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. We're called by the name of Christ. We're a Christian. If you trusted Christ and have put your faith and trust in him this morning. You are a Christian. You are a little Christ. You are representative of him. We are called by his name. He is the embodiment of truth. He is the, the word incarnate, the word in flesh for us. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he came to this earth as the word to instruct us, to help us, and to give his life for us. It is our best possession in our life. But it is also our, the best place. We see the best place for God's word in our lives. Look back at Psalm 119, verse number 11. Thy word have I hid where? In my heart. Why is that the best place for God's word? Well, it's the best place for a couple of reasons. The first one is because of its wickedness. Because of the wickedness of our heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? If we're honest with ourselves this morning, every single one of us, none of us are perfect. All of us have the great capability of doing the worst thing imaginable today. Because that's our heart. We, we were made in iniquity. That's who we are. Unless Christ has made a difference and we're leaning and trusting in Him. And in His Word. Thy Word have I hid where? In my heart. In my heart. It's the best place because of the wickedness that we have. Your heart and mine is so wicked, we cannot even comprehend of what we are capable of. We would all probably unanimously say this morning, oh, that's, that, that will never happen. I'll never do that. I'll never go that far. If you take a ship and you're out in the ocean and you move yourself by one degree, it may not seem like a lot. But in 150, 300 miles, where are you going to be? You're going to be way off course from where you're supposed to be. You don't even have to go 150 miles to get that. You're going to be way, way away from where you're at. And a lot of times we move ourselves just one little degree in our Christian lives. We're okay. I'm not that far off. Not right now. Thy word have I hid where? In my heart. We're capable of so much evil and so much wickedness unless God changes our heart through the word of God. We've got to hide it in our hearts. It's the best place because of its wickedness. It's also the best place because of its wandering. Our heart wanders, does it not? 
The, song, the songwriter said, I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We wander. It's our human nature to wander from where we are supposed to be. You tell a child, don't do that. What are they going to do? That. Don't touch it. It's hot. They're only going to touch it one time. We do exactly what we're told not to do, and we don't do exactly what we're told to do. That's our human nature. That's our sinful nature. We wander. We wander from where we are supposed to be. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, that Demas, Paul said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. He's wandered. He's wandered away. We're all capable of wandering. I mean, you're talking about somebody who was serving with and ministering with alongside the Apostle Paul. I would think if I was given that opportunity, I was next to a Christian like the Apostle Paul, there would be nothing in me that would say, Paul, I'm sorry, I just don't agree. The world is a much better place. But he did. Demas did. We're all prone to wander. We're all prone to leave God. We're all prone to stray from where we are supposed to be. But the Word of God can keep us where we are supposed to be as well, if we will hide its Word in our heart. If we will keep the precious Word of God forefront in our lives. Demas, a follower of Paul, saw the things of this world and he decided to love them more than serving God and instead to choose himself and to serve himself rather than God. You know, Moses was faced with the same, the same choice. What does the Bible say in Hebrews about Moses? He said, I have chosen rather to suffer affliction with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses had the world at his fingertips in line probably to become the next pharaoh of Egypt. And he walked away from it all to suffer persecution and affliction. Why? Because he realized that that's more important. He realized that's the better place for me. He chose those things over the, the pull of the world. Demas chose the world over the gospel, over, over Christ, over God. Where are we this morning? Are, are, we, are we being pulled away? from where God wants us? Or is the Word of God making a difference in your heart and in your life? Is the Word of God showing you things that we're willing to say, you know what, I see that, I hear that, and I'm not just going to hear it, I'm going to do it. James gives us a picture of someone who looks in a glass in a mirror. They look in the perfect law of liberty, in the Word of God, and they look at it and they see what's wrong. Just like somebody who wakes up in the morning and they see themselves in the mirror and they go, woof. I need to fix some of that. And so we do. Before we walk out, we, we fix the exterior. Why can't we fix the interior? Why can't we fix the heart? We don't place as much priority on it. 
We see it, and we go our way. The Bible says that you are a, a, a forgetful person. You're a, a, do, a hearer of the word, but not a doer. But the man who looks in the perfect law of liberty and sees the wrong and changes, not only a hearer, but is a doer of the word. And that man, the Bible says, shall be blessed in his deeds. Are we hearing the word of God this morning? Are we applying the truth? Are we doing it? It's the best place because our heart is prone to wickedness. It's prone to wandering. But our heart also has great worth. It has worth. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of the heart are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence. The, the, the implication there, the, 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 the way of that word, if you go back and you study that word, the, the, keep thy heart with all diligence, it's to keep your, your heart in your right hand, in your arm of strength. The right hand in the Bible is always considered the arm of strength. The left hand is, is the weak arm. For those of us that are lefty, I, I apologize. It's uh, nothing against you. Put it in the hand of strength. The hand that I can guard it with against everything else. Many times if we keep our heart, but we don't keep it with diligence, we allow our heart to be in, our, in, in a weak place. We allow our heart to be in a place that is not very defensible. And we open up the door for Satan to come in and, and, and get into our heart, to, to get into our life, to, to cause us to stray, to cause us to wander, to cause us to go after the world, as Demas did. But the Bible tells us to keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, keep your heart above all keeping. Why? It's the central part of If we don't have our heart, what do we have? Death. We have a shell. There's, there's nothing that's going to be left. Nothing will function without the heart. Nothing will function without a spiritual heart either. And if we're not allowing God's word to change our heart, to be hidden in our heart, to memorize God's word, to put it into practice, to put it in the place of strength, to put it in the place where we are protecting it with all keeping, then we're going to fail spiritually. We're going to be prone to wander more than we should. Are we still going to wander even as we're keeping God's word in our heart? Probably. We're sinful creatures. But the point is, uh, God told us, in, in, I believe it's in 1 Peter, be ye holy as I am holy. Is that possible for us as human beings? I'd like to think yes if he gave us the command. But at the same time, I know our flesh. I know the natural man. I know all it takes in our world today is for me to walk outside and you're going to be faced with something. You're going to face with, with a thought. You're going to be faced with a temptation. You're going to be faced with something. 
Is it possible for us to live holy as God is holy? I would say not on this earth. Because we're sinful people. But we ought to strive every single day to be as holy, as much like Christ as we possibly can be. And the more of God's word that we put into our heart, and the more of God's word that we apply to our life, the far less likely we are to stray. The far less likely we are to live in an unholy manner. The far less likely we are to separate from God instead of being separate from the world. That's what holiness is. It's, it's to be separated. It's to be set apart unto God. We're not going to be sinless in this life. But we can be as sinless as we possibly can be with God's help. Living each and every day in the power of the Spirit of God. And we only do that by putting God's Word into our hearts. preacher once said this, whatever has your heart has your life. What do you spend most of your time doing? You tell me where you spend the majority of your time and I'll tell you what you has your heart. It's, it's really that simple. Is it the world? Is it sports? Is it entertainment? Is it my own passions? Is it my own desires? Is it my own hobbies? My own, I mean, what, what is it? Relationships? Whatever we chase after, whatever we give our time to, that's what outwardly we're showing is the most important thing. Whatever has your heart has your life. Whatever has my heart has my life. Is your heart filled with the Word of God this morning? The Word of God is our best possession. We can put it in the best place, which is our heart. But for this reason, the best purpose. The best purpose. What is the purpose of doing this? What is the, best pur what is the purpose of hiding God's Word in our heart? Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Let me ask you this. If you start memorizing scripture today, are you guaranteed to not sin? No. no. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. There's still the chance. There's still the possibility of doing wrong. But the chance is far less likely. It's much greater propensity for me to live for God and to do what He wants if I'm putting His Word into my life. Thy Word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against Thee. Do you keep His Word? Do you follow it? Do others know that you follow it? Do people see Christ in you? Some people say it's, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Pete, you know, God knows my heart. I don't have to 
let everybody else know about it. Okay? Am I God? Is anybody else in here God? No. We should want to live in a way that shows people the changes that are being made in our life. That shows people the love of Christ through me. We should live in a way, the Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. Is that always a guarantee? No, it's not. Okay, we, we can't see the heart. I'm not God. It's not up to me to judge somebody just because I feel like they're not living the way a Christian should live. And so thus, they're not a Christian. That's not my decision. That's not my call. That's between them and the Lord. But for me in my life, for you in your life, why not live in a way that demonstrates to people that you are different? That you are a child of God? Why not do that? Why, why not live in a way that is pleasing to Christ? That people see, and they see a difference, and they see you, the way you live, and they see the trials that you go through, and they see that you go through them with joy. James told us to do that. My brother, count on all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, trials in your life. When people see that, what do they think to themselves? They think, is there something wrong with that person? Because it doesn't make sense, does it? When we go through difficult times and we do it and we praise God for it, that doesn't make sense to the average mankind, the average human. Because they're not thinking on a spiritual level. That change hasn't come about in their life, maybe. And when they see that, they go, why is he so different? Why can he go through something similar that I've been through and the, the, the response has, is opposite ends of the spectrums? Why? Because God is making a difference in your life. Show it. Demonstrate it. Faith without works is dead being alone. Show people Christ. Show people the love of God in your life. Show them the difference that is being made. Why? Because they should want what you have. Show them so that they have, so that they have the opportunity to, to find out and to get what you have for them that you could share with them the love of Christ. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1-5 through 5 says this, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, the full payment, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the entire world, the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, him verily, or in him verily is the love of God perfected, made complete. Hereby know we, know that we are in him. When people see the love of God in your life being displayed, 
because you're living after him, because you're letting his word make a difference in your life, that's how people know. That's how people know that you are of God. That's how people know that God is making a difference. That's how people sometimes, that may be the only way they find out about God, is by seeing the way that you live. Christ is our ultimate example in this as well, because he lived in and on our sin-cursed world, and yet the Bible says he was without sin. There was no sin in him at all. In Matthew chapter 4, Satan tempts Christ, and three times Jesus defends himself, defends himself from the attacks of Satan, doing what? Using God's word. Matthew chapter number 4, look at verse number 4. Satan brings a temptation to him. Jesus, but he answered and said, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Look at verse number 7 of the same chapter. Jesus said unto him, unto Satan, It is written again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then in verse number 10, Then saith Jesus unto him, unto Satan, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. Where was Jesus getting all of that? The Old Testament. The written word of God to that, to that point. Jesus Christ himself hid God's word in his heart. He memorized it, and he had to use it as a human being. The God-man here on earth. But he used God's word to help him prevent from, from, from being tempted to the point of sin here on earth. He did all those things. The Bible says that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He is our example. If Jesus Christ memorized God's word and used it in the face of temptation, do you not think that we need to do the same? I am not anywhere close to being where Jesus Christ was. I never will be until I reach heaven. There's no way that anyone in this room is close enough to being like God. But God himself, while he was here on earth, had to memorize and had to use his own word. So much the more do we need to use it as well. Word of God, the wonderful word of God, is our best possession. We can put it in the best place, which is in our heart. For the best purpose, that we might not sin. That we have a greater chance at spiritual victory in our life than without it. So I wonder this morning... What are we doing with God's word? Is it as precious to you as you say it is? Why not memorize it? Why not hide his word in your heart? You struggle with a problem, you struggle with a particular thing, you know what that is. Why not memorize some verses that deal specifically with that issue to help you in your life? You deal with anger, memorize some verses on anger. You deal with obedience, memorize some verses on obedience. Deal with lust, memorize some verses on lust. You deal with whatever it is, find some verses in God's Word and put them into memory. God's Word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. 
It's our offensive, our only offensive weapon spiritually. It is the only way that we are going to have victory in our life is if we take it, we apply it, we memorize it, and we use it in our lives. I hope God's word is precious to you. I hope that it is wonderful to you in your life. God has given it to you. God has given it to you at much sacrifice. We all said it was precious to us in the beginning of this message. But I don't think one hand went up when we said, have we memorized something this week? Put it into practice. Put it into place. Put it where God wants it to be, in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The verse right before that, verse number 10, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. David realized in his own life the propensity that he had to wander away from the Lord. And that's why he, he said, and he made a decision in his life, I'm going to seek after God with everything that I possibly can. Job said, I have esteemed the word of God more than my necessary food. David said, early will I seek thee. The Bible tells us that you shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Can I challenge you, encourage you this morning? I hope this hasn't been a message that has beat you up this morning. But just encourage us. We have an amazing book in our hands. We have something that is given to us directly from God. And it's given to us for one purpose, to help us in our life here. To help us live victoriously in Christ. So why don't we spend more time in this? Why don't we know it better? Why don't we memorize it? Ask yourself that this morning, and maybe the answer is, it's maybe not quite as precious as I would like to think. Maybe this morning, you just when, when we start the invitation, maybe you just come down to the altar and say, God, your word has, has gotten a little bit out of place. Other things have, have crowded it out. Other things have taken a little bit more priority. I need to get that priority back in perspective. I need to spend a little more time in your book, in your word, in the living word of God. Maybe this morning you're here and you're, you're not a Christian. Maybe you've never trusted Christ. Maybe someone has never taken the word of God and showed you how you can put your faith and trust in him. We'd love to do that this morning. Whatever your need is this morning, would you just come and just spend some time with the Lord? At the very least, just say thank you for the wonderful word of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day you've given us. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you that it is wonderful to us. Thank you for the blessing that it is. And Lord, I thank you for uh, how it changes us, how it works in our hearts and our lives. Lord, I thank you for the place that you told us to put it. I thank you that we can uh, hide it in our heart. Lord, I thank you for the process that it has in our life. Lord, I thank you for the power that it is. I thank you for the person of Jesus Christ who was the word here on earth. 
Lord, I thank you for all of these things. But Lord, I pray that more, more than just being thankful for it, Lord, I pray you'd help me in my own life that I would take the word of God and I would apply it to my life, that I would not just be a, a doer, of, a hearer of the word, but I would be a doer of the word as well. Lord, I would not just stand up here and preach these things and, and, and tell these things, but that I would put them into practice in my life. I think if we're honest this morning, each one of us fail in this area. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to, to get back to the place where the word of God is precious to our lives. So precious that it takes preeminence, that it takes priority over everything else each and every day. And Lord, may we seek after it and may we seek after you. And Lord, may we see victory in our lives as a result. Lord, I thank you again for the word of God. We pray this in Christ's name.